is up everybody my name is mg and you are listening to the one and only mdg in quarantine podcast where the motto is edh community now and always as usual before we get started i'd like to give a quick shout out to my local game store guardian games you can find guardian games on the web at ggportland.com i'd also like to utilize the opportunity to give a huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over patreon.com slash mtg in quarantine huge round of thank yous to mr big Benz, nick s frugal brutal and coach jero for supporting the show if you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content head on over to patreon.com slash mtg in quarantine for more information and you can pick up your very own mtg in quarantine brand of playmat over at inked gaming that is i-n-k-e-d gaming.com got two really awesome versions both the full color logo as well as the grayscale version they both look amazing and you're going to want one for you and all of your friends so again, you can go on over to Inked Gaming, that is I-N-K-E-D gaming.com. The affiliate code link will be in the link tree in the episode description below. Every purchase helps support the channel and is greatly appreciated. Also, if you are listening to this on a podcast outlet, please, please, please give me a five-star rating or just honestly any positive rating if you enjoy what you hear today. Every rating on these outlets will help me fight the dreaded algorithm and help get my voice out there to the larger MTG community. So again, if you're listening to this on a podcast outlet with a rating system, please remember to drop a review of what you've heard today and the entire show. And again, that's greatly appreciated. And on to today's episode. All right, everybody. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I believe at this point, uh, we got to see the upcoming schedule for Magic the Gathering sets for 2024. And it wouldn't be the MTG and Quarantine podcast if I didn't bring a quorum, yes, a quorum, onto uh, onto the podcast. Trying to use a lot of QU words here to make myself sound smart, right? That's what I'm trying to do. I'm the host of a podcast. I got to sound smart, right? Otherwise, people would stop listening. Eh, whatever. But yeah, so... I I usually try to get a bunch of different folks, a bunch of awesome creators from the community on to the show to, to provide their opinions about all sorts of topics. And today I have three super awesome guests who are joining me to talk about all things about the 2024 MTG product line. A couple of folks are new. We got a returning guest. So without further ado, I would like to introduce our three panelists for tonight. And our first panelist is a returning guest, someone I actually met at Command Fest Bellevue and has been on an episode of one of my CDH Deck Tech series. So without further ado, I would like to reintroduce Gabe, the guy you know. Welcome back, Gabe. Hey, MJ. Thank you for having me. My name is Gabe, that guy you may or may not know, depending on what corner of the internet you have found yourself slumped in. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah, uh, Gabe, I know you did mention this before on the episode that you guested on, but could you give the good folks at home a reminder, a refresher, if you will, on where they can find your content? 
You can find me at Gabe That Guy, you know, pretty much anywhere except for Twitter, where it's Gabe TGYK. And as of about a month and a half ago, I have a new horror podcast called Scaredy This, Scaredy That. It is on Spotify. Please go give that a listen if you like horror stuff, but are too scared to talk about it directly without masking it with comedy. Like me. All right, and our second guest on today's awesome episode is someone who has had a guest spot on one of the community episodes that I have done where I bring a lot of awesome people from the community on to, uh, you know, respond in their own words to a specific prompt, but has not had their own specific episode as of yet. So today that is going to be changing. So without further ado, I would like to introduce today's second panelist, LK. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? It's going okay. I'm glad that we're able to finally, you know, be able to work this out with our schedules. I know that uh, we've been talking about this since Summit. It's been almost a year at this point. Glad we are finally able to get times lined up. But uh, yeah, how about you give the good folks at home an idea of the content stuff that you create? I do a lot of Twitch streams uh, that are magic-based, and I guest on streams with my commander decks, uh... And I also have a couple of TikToks, a couple of YouTube videos. Not too much, but I definitely like to make my presence known in the magic community. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm glad that we were finally able to get you on an episode as guest. And with that, and last but not least, I would like to introduce a brand new guest, a brand new fighter in this uh, podcasting arena, if you will, at least on the MTG and Quarantine podcast. But he's no stranger to being on a podcast coming from the Commander Paradise podcast all the way from sunny, sunny paradise. Please welcome Tyler. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? It's going okay. As usual, could you give the good folks at home a quick idea, a quick run-through, if you will, of the content that you create? Yeah, um, uh, my name is Tyler. I run a podcast called Commander Paradise with my friend Ryan. Um, wherever you listen to podcasts or watch content, we are there. Um, we, and we're on Twitter, at Command Paradise. Um, we post uh, every other week. Um, and just kind of, we're more on the casual side and what we talk about. Um, so not, oh, I like playing CDH, but I'm not like, I don't know enough about it to like make a whole show about it. So more casual side of stuff. Um, and we're also on TikTok. We do like daily, like commander card of the day kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, hearing all of you talking about TikTok makes me kind of want to start one, except for the fact that I have absolutely no idea what kind of content I would create. So, uh, yeah, if, if anyone out there listening has any suggestions on TikTok content that you would like to actually see me do, I'm definitely receptive. I don't know if it, you know, if it would actually go anywhere, but never say never. Right. I never thought I was going to start a podcast. And three years later, here we are. So, uh, yeah, fun, fun stuff. But yeah, back to the premise of today's episode. So prior to us hitting record here, my three guests basically drafted or, you know, I guess pack one, pick one, um, the eight different sets that are going to be released in 2024. And they're kind of broken down by a couple of categories. You've got your standard legal sets. Um, obviously, we have one every quarter. You have your... I guess, reprint heavy sets, as well as your two universes beyond releases. And each of my awesome guests decided on which uh, two or three sets that they would like to talk about the most and get us the, get the conversation started. Make sure everyone is able to, you know, have a good time talking and get the conversation started. So 
Without further ado, I know I say that a lot, but you know, it's just the best way you can do that in the English language. We are going to start with the very first set coming in 2024. It's not standard legal. It's Ravnica Remastered. And that means it's time for Gabe. You get us started on here. What do you expect out of Ravnica Remastered? And what kind of cards do you think are going to be printed in this particular reprint set? Why, thank you, MJ. But first, I'd like to propose some math to you real quick. Oh, no. Math? Real world problems? What is this? So, I'm going to list off a few of the names of sets that have contained Ravnica cards for you. And we'll go from there, okay? Ravnica City of Guilds, Guild Pact, um, Dissension, Return to Ravnica, Gate Crash, Dragon's Maze, Guilds of Ravnica, Ravnica Allegiance, War of the Spark, Magic Origins, and a few separate core sets. So, that means that 6% of all Magic sets have contained Ravnica cards. Who asked for this? Uh, Who I, needs this? I did. I'm okay with this. MJ, you're lying to yourself. <laughs> Ouch. That, that is cold. Hands. That is cold. I, I like Ravnica too. That's why I don't under I feel the way I do about Ravnica because I I am toxic. I hate the things I love. This is one of those things. I don't want to see more Ravnica. And I understand that it's like it's gonna be a non-standard set, right? Like they're just mm -hmm. putting it out there, go buy packs, have a commander deck or something. But why? Well, I mean, <laughs> well, the question, I guess, to really get the conversation started is what kind of cards would you expect to come from this set? Let's say probably 300 to 350 is typical for these sorts of reprint sets, or at least that we've seen from Dominaria remastered and uh, God, now, now I'm kind of forgetting the other one that got remastered recently. But yeah, we have some precedent here. So what cards do you think we're going to see? And also what kind of uh, construct 60 card constructed legality do you think we're looking at here? Not good ones, MJ. <laughs> Not great ones. That's uh, so cold when, on this one, Gabe. Come on. When people come to Ravnica, they think about the Shocklands and not much else. I know for a fact that they're going to possibly get cheeky with it. Let's look on the bright side, as I should, and go, how about they take each guild and every multicolor slot, because they're a mastered set, Let's just reprint every guild leader, an important character. Magic likes legendaries nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. That's its whole thing. So let's just take the cards that people actually want to see in packs and print those, is what I'm going to say, but is not going to happen. <laughs> Definitely. That, that's too niche. You can't yeah. draft that. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I. As soon as you mentioned that, it reminded me of all the original 2005 legendary creatures, the original guild leaders from our first time on Ravnica. It's like some of those cool. cards, you're but probably, yeah, I mean, especially in the limited environment, I would say nowadays, like people are going, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw Zodek under the bus here for the old Demir Guildmaster, but it's like seven cost for a very, very niche ability in a limited environment is just not going to go very far. So, you know, Good thing that they've come up with some some more interesting uh, design space over the years. Now that you have like Lazov, for yeah. instance, who has some very interesting cards that are more reliable, I would say, in a draft environment than you know, than than, others, than, yeah, than, than Zodic ever was. So um, yeah, there's take... interesting stuff for sure. Like um, something I am looking forward to is they did a great job with Dominaria Remastered. The difference between the two sets, though, 
is that Dominaria is the base plane of magic, and there are a plethora of sets that collect under that. Like, there is Urza's Saga, Urza's Legacy, Weatherlight, Legends, Antiquities. You have all this stuff from across magic's history, and even the newer Dominaria sets, too. But they're just that covers so much of legacy play, commander play. A lot of staples are from the first few sets of Magic, so therefore were reprinted in Dominaria, United and sorry, remastered. And you had like Urza printed in Modern Horizons too. Like flavorfully, other things are getting reprinted. Like maybe some stuff from Magic Origins too will get reprinted in this set. But I can't think of too many iconic cards that were printed in Ravnica outside of good land bases and the occasional commander. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I will agree I, with uh, you. I, yeah, I will agree with you there. I mean, having looked at Cloudstone Curio lately, that would definitely be a nice reprint to have. Uh, yeah, you were saying, Tyler? So I'm looking at what's... I'm sorting all the Ravnica sets by EDH Rec on Scryfall. So we got Farseek, Rogue's Passage, Cyclonic Rift, Birds of Paradise, all the Shocklands, Chromatic Lantern, all the Ooh. Signets, all the Charms, Supreme Verdict, Deathrite Shaman, Muddle the Mixture, Niv-Mizzet, all the Niv-Mizzets, Dark Confidant can see a reprint. That's still like a $20 card. That'd be nice. That's yeah. a good one. That's a good one for that. Rest in Peace, uh, Privileged Position, Cloudstone Curio. Um, I want to see a Cloudstone Curio reprint because that card got reprinted in the Lord of the Rings set and is still $40. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rakdos Lord of Riots is like a $10 card still and so it's, him getting reprinted would be re pretty cool um there's some stuff i isn't doubling season a ravnica card it seems like it might be oh, like a selesnia card might be yeah there. actually uh definitely is it was from the first one and i remember that because i remember it being 35 dollars and i was like no way in hell am i gonna get that it's gonna go down <laughs> uh, i was wrong yeah, it's, 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 it sound, it sounds like my speculation when I opened an old like uh, 2001 magazine in my parents' house, and it's like, hey, all of the original dual lands were like a hundred bucks back in those days or less. And it's like, damn, if I had known 20 years ago, I could have, uh, you know, stonks, right? So, uh, from City of Guilds, I just looked yeah. it up. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy stuff. But yeah, uh, sounds like. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff that could be released. Maybe not the sexiest cards, quote-unquote. But again, mm -hmm. like you mentioned there, you have all the talismans. You have all of the, the really cool, flavorful guild stuff. And there are some real yeah. banger cards in there, too, which could definitely be reprinted. Like you mentioned Cyclonic Rift. As much as I hate that card, um, you know, it's a very iconic card for multiple formats, honestly. And, you know, any opportunity to have those sorts of things reprinted, I know it was just reprinted in Commander Masters, but any reprint avenue to get these cards out to players is never a bad thing. And definitely, this is definitely a set that I'm going to look forward to for the Signets and stuff like that, where it's going to bring dollar cards down to like 50 cents. I'm excited for that aspect of it, but when it comes to product, they're probably going to upcharge it to the point where... For the higher end, for those dark confines, the cloud stones, you're not really going to make the mark back on any sealed product that you would buy. And I'm not like a sealed product buyer, but when I do look at new sets and the way it affects the market, if not enough people buy those cards, they don't fluctuate in price. So Definitely. I think some of those reprints yeah. might stay high up there. Yeah, so... um 
Before we move on from this set, y'all, what are we thinking about the limited environment? Are, is this something that you would draft if given an opportunity to, or uh, would, do you think you would pass on this one? Well, I'm going to draft the hell out of it. <laughs> All right. yeah, I think it would be super fun to draft. Um, I'm curious what they would, how they would do it, because if I remember, I think it was like Dragon's Maze, maybe, where they tried to do all 10 guilds in one set. Oh, it like, felt so hard. And it sucked. So, But it's been like 15 years or whatever, 10 years since that set, so I bet they've gotten better at doing it. So, I feel like if they went to the, uh, what, what's the plane called? Alara kind of base, where instead of focusing on the individual guilds, they pick like an archetype that kind of goes together. Like you put Golgari and Demir together because they both focus around graveyards, where if you print those cards side by side, they'll kind of shift into each other naturally i think they, that could work for a draft environment uh lk what do you think i'm i'm probably not drafting but that's mostly because i'm not a very strong limited player um but honestly i i would very much be into it all right uh, there you have it. So we've talked about Ravnica Remastered. So it's time to move on to the next set. And that is going to be also on Ravnica, which uh, seems to be kind of a theme here for the beginning of the year, but I guess I don't mind. And that is going to be the clue-based set, Murders at Karlov Manor. So uh, from the key art here, we definitely see a few new characters, a few returning characters uh, we do have Aurelia, we do have Judith on here, as well as someone that looks like Krenko, I believe. So along with some Krenko. Yeah, along with some brand new characters here. So um yeah, effectively I know that there's gonna be a lot of uh, clue jokes, you know, the Tim Curry classic movie going out there. Mm -hmm. And and for good reason, right? I mean it's it, it's it's got the Ravnica feel to it, but I hope that we definitely see some some mystery and some intrigue in here. We should be seeing that. And, you know, Ravnica, there, it's never a dull day on there, even though the vast majority of people, in theory, are actually unaffiliated, but we just get to see the highlights, right? So, um, yeah, so, Tyler, this is uh, your question. What do you expect to see from this set? And, uh, yeah, what are your expectations for uh, Murders at Karloff Manor? Um, I think it is going to be amazing. Hopefully, like that idea, like a murder mystery kind of thing is super, super interesting. And like doing that, like a top down murder mystery thing is super interesting. Um, and it's got like a bunch of cool characters just in the art. Like we got Krinko and Judith and Massacre Girl and Aurelia. Um, and then like a weird, is it lizard looking dude? So that's pretty cool. Um, but my question is in that picture, I don't see any green. There's like no green, like there's no green characters in that set. So I'm curious how that hole is going to get filled. Because you got Aurelia, which is like Boros, Massacre Girl's black, Rack, uh, Judas is Rakdos, Krenko's red. The is it looks, or the lizard dude looks, is it? So I'm curious how green will fit in all that. Definitely. I, I think, think it would be cool. I mean, I don't think there's been a bad standard set. In a, in a long time i don't know they've all been at least like kind of cool you know so i feel like this is just be cool flavor and there'll be some cool cards 
Yeah, um, jumping jumping in with that there, uh, uh, again, looking at the Star City Games article in regards to these 2024 sets, um, it does say, and, and again, I can link that in the episode description, um, it does say Murders at Karlov Manor is a top-down murder mystery set taking place in Ravnica, but is not a normal Ravnica set revolving around the guilds. So mm-hmm. if we want to just look at the typical guilds, like you mentioned there, Tyler, that include green, um, it's entirely possible that they're just not involved in this sort of thing. Um, I'm trying to remember back to the uh, the Boom comic series for the few that I read anyway, and I don't remember if any of the uh, green-based guilds actually got involved in that one. Obviously, I never read it far enough to, to really see it all the way through, but uh, I mean, save for the Golgari, but again, you have the black overlay there as well. So... Um, yeah, maybe you'll see that, but again, it sounds like it'll be more based upon the characters themselves, which would be kind of cool. Obviously, you know, yeah. for, as, for as much as we talked about Ravnica, like we just did, right? It's like, this is a guild-based set, but on the other hand, like this one allows us to really dig into the characters a little more, and uh, especially the fact that uh, it's going to be know at the Karloff Manor I mean we're we're talking about the seat of Orzov power here kind of the light in the dark so it'll definitely be interesting to see how uh kind of I feel like that middle ground where Orzov kind of relies is like where how how does that impact uh this set and like what what's gonna happen in a very very different take on this beloved plane all right uh Gabe what do you think about this set I definitely think it's going to be a really interesting set going into it. I definitely like character, well, character-focused sets because it kind of lets you mold the story more to their personality than their background, if that kind of makes that much sense. Mm-hmm. Where it feels like lately we've been in such like a big story arc after big story arc, and the Phyrexians, we got Nicol Bolas, and they're kissing and stuff, and it feels like we haven't taken time to just have a normal magic set in what feels like a decade, where we can just sit back, relax, and watch this very finite story play out in front of us. To be fair, though, I as, as I did mention before the show, that's where Strixhaven was the other year. It's like, it was literally a self-contained set until it wasn't. But uh, do well, you think probably, until it wasn't like they they became part of everything else? I just want to set that stays and dies right there. I know, I know, but unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be possible given the fact that there is a roadmap. Spoiler alert! I know, um, uh... going going out towards uh, 2025, 2026, which may or may not include uh, implications from this particular set. So you may get your wish, you may not. Bring back Muzio, you cowards. <laughs> so you want another conspiracy set is what you're saying. I He was cut from the story in the worst way. He's still alive. He just doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, conspiracy was with its own uh, thing, definitely. Um, yeah. So, uh, LK, what do you think about the set? Are you excited for it? Uh, what do you think is going to happen? I'm, I'm excited to see how they tie this uh, clue into magic gathering type thing. I personally am not a huge fan of clue, so that part isn't particularly inspiring to me. I'm just kind of here to watch and see what they do with it. Definitely, definitely. I mean, it sounds like they're also going to release a Ravnica Clue edition 
Um, I'm not sure if this means actually like a uh, skin, like a reskin of classic Clue or, or what. But they said it was a different way to play multiplayer magic, so it's still magic, oh. but it's just a different thing. You start with somebody it, dead. <laughs> and it was made by R&D. So it is still magic. Okay. It's just like, it's like, how could you play Clue with magic cards? So it's kind of like uh, Explorers of Ixalan, a little bit like more of a board yeah. game versus like the Game Nights uh, product. Yeah, yeah. I like or, those. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of them. Yeah, I, I still feel bad that I didn't pick up a copy of Explorers of Ixalan when I was walking by five below. It's like, holy crap. Um Oh, you know, yeah. it's like I see it. It's five dollars now. It's probably like forty bucks, and it's like I don't know if it's worth forty bucks. But if I got it when it was five dollars, definitely. Um, I think Duel of the Planeswalkers is the one that I played a lot. My favorite shelf game. Yeah, I mean, Magic has definitely gotten into that uh, design space here, so we will see how that plays in. Um, the the key art for that basically shows six characters from different guilds, and we don't recognize any of them. So they basically Ooh. have new space, I would believe, to uh, to play around with the, the concepts in, in more of a guild fashion, I suppose, than what we're going to be getting, which honestly seems to be a bit more uh, bit more scattered, I would say, as far as focus, you know, compared in contrast to the guild heavy set that we normally have seen. So um, I know it's a lot of jumbled words here, but uh, again, this should be a very exciting set to see how, how what they do with it. Um, yeah, it it should be interesting Q1 standard set. We will see. Uh, we will see what goes on there. All right, moving on to the next part here. So there are going to be two universes beyond uh, sets coming out in 2024, and love them or hate them, they are here. So. We are going to talk about them. We're not going to really focus a ton of time on them because it sounds like only Gabe is honestly all that interested in them out of the four of us. So <laughs> we're going to just kind of give you the floor on this one. And I'm also I'm going to lump these together into kind of one segment here to make sure that, we you know, we, we kind of keep moving things uh, along at a decent pace for the folks out there listening. So I'm going to lump the Fallout set um, that I'm... I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I guess they will have commander decks. I'm not sure if it's going to be a set or just commander decks, but, um, and then as well as the Assassin's Creed something coming out in quarter three, uh, non draftable packs, uh, new cards and reprints, including favorite characters, legal mo- and modern. Interesting. Um, but again, I, I'm not a gamer. I don't really know anything about these franchises, but you do, Gabe, so you've got the floor. Are you excited for these? And let us know exactly what you're excited about. Excited is a stretch. I have been wrong before. I wasn't jazzed about the uh, Warhammer 40K stuff coming out until I was. So I like to suspend my disbelief on Fallout specifically. I think Fallout taking place in, like, you know, a Fallout world where everything's kind of already in disarray. Anything that works... Why why 40k worked now that I kind of got into the story of it and looked more at the lore is that all the technology was destroyed at a certain point and nobody really knows how to use anything. And that's the story of Dominaria, basically, with, like, the Thran Empire and stuff. Everything got destroyed at a certain point, and we just kind of found the technology and went, well, this whim-whams with this Jim Jamble, so if we flick it, it turns on, so let's just roll with that. 
that's kind of where Fallout is at. It's a lot of BS on BS that works. I like that. I think it works in the context of magic because the characters are on the same level as you, as in you don't understand, but it works, and that aesthetic is already in magic. So I'm okay with that. Kaladesh is its own thing. <laughs> but when it comes to Assassin's Creed, I don't really know. Assassin's Creed is fine. It's an okay game. I know a lot of people disagree with me on that. It's a very popular game. I don't like it that much. It feels pretty linear. I don't know how you can specifically make an Assassin's Creed-based set. It feels more like a six-card Universes Beyond thing. Because if, if this is the entire set is just different versions of the Assassins across the years and different guilds and stuff, it's going to get kind of repetitive really quickly. And I feel like a lot of the colors put on these characters are really not going to match them whatsoever. Because realistically, all of them should be Grixis or Orzov. There's no in-between. They're just assassins. So what you're saying is this could have easily have been like a secret lair. This this was yeah. meant to be a secret lair. This would be... If it was a secret lair, I would not be over the moon, but I'd say this is justified. This makes so much sense for five cards. <laughs> Everything else. Like the land might be cool. They'll bring back deserts, maybe. But, uh, yeah. There's like Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Ixalan. There you go. Reskin some Ixalan cards. It'll look sweet. I mean, there have been an uh, absolute crap ton of uh, Assassin's Creed games. I mean, you could have a call time reprint for the what, exactly. Valhalla or. Um, yeah. Futuristic one, use Kamigawa. You yeah. Can, there's a place for each of these cards. The place is not its own set, is the issue for me. Especially since it's going to be modern legal, too, which kind of makes it weird compared to how most secret layers at least seem to look where it would be eternal format legal only. Like, they've they've kind of announced that whenever they have universes beyond stuff like this, at some point in boosters, they'll print another version of that card down the line to make people at ease with the Walking Dead debacle. Fallout makes sense for me because Fallout fits into the world in its own unique way. Assassin's Creed, it's just a guy, and he's killing just dudes, and they work for just another organization. You can look at it face value as, here, there's this guy that kills people, the end, and that kind of encompasses, like, the entire story, almost, where Fallout is, like, this intricate governmental system and world that you can, can cross and stuff. Assassin's Creed is Earth. Fallout is Earth, but it's destroyed. Assassin's Creed was canonically designed so it can just fit into our world already. And I don't want magic in our world. <laughs> I don't want to go to Venice Beach and magic. But it sounds so nice down there, right? Uh, 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 saying eventually we're going to have like the, the Grand Theft Auto uh, reskin, right? Nah! <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, okay, now I know exactly how My to scare version. a game. I will. I now know exactly how to scare you in the future. So um, if you're ever on the show again after this, I'm going to just say, when are we going to have the GTA secret layer? When are we going to have the GTA secret layer? Not because I care, but just because I know it really bothers you. So um, if I'm is going to come out and just be like, so uh, we put together this GTA secret layer based in New Capenna, and we are reprinting all the New Capenna vehicles as Ferraris and Mustangs. <laughs> like, oh, no. Yep. 
yeah, cra- crazy stuff. But um, yeah, so that's basically uh, our, our look at the universes beyond sets coming up here. Um, yeah, I, I do agree with you, Gabe, that Fallout kind of fits, kind of still seems a little bit off. I mean, compared to what we had with, let's say, the Lord of the Rings set, which just feels very at home with this IP. Yeah. Um, Fallout still seems very strange to me, but again, that's just an outsider opinion. I don't play video games really anymore, so yeah, I don't really have a enough. valuable opinion. <laughs> it's one step outside the circle. That's why I'm okay with it. Fair enough. But, but yeah, Assassin's Creed does definitely seem like more of a secret layer than anything. Um, and if nothing, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how there's going to be enough like stuff for them to do. Like even if it's like a like a um, aftermath kind of thing, where it's like sixty cards or something, like however many cards there was, that's oh, it's gonna be unique. unique cards mainly. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and it's like, what? Like there's like six different assassins. You don't know any of their names. Like there's Ezio. <laughs> Ezio is like the Ezio. cool assassin, and you need like one Ezio card, and then like whatever, like the wrist blade, and like that's it. That's all. That's like iconic about assassin's creed if they print the hay bale we're okay i'll oh, forgive that them cool or <laughs> oh yeah maybe like per, like perched up on the like on the top of the building before you go into the hay bale that yeah be all this is moment. just artwork like we, we yeah. you can't make cards out of these well to be fair they did say these were going to be a few original cards and a few reprints or, or reskins they, they didn't say what the ratio was going to be so it could literally just be like all of those weird kaladesh or sorry um uh almond cat commons like the you know oh, yeah. the, the, the the one that gives your creature flying like the great leap or whatever it is plus two plus two yeah. and flying till end of turn or uh like uh dash the uh you know like a bunch of really weird like combat trick type thing birds you know? of paradise we made it a pigeon <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i mean but re- really to me this sounds like the great place to reprint all those weird draft commons and whatnot uh, like messenger speed as well too so yeah. you know funky funky stuff um, you win and- this one magic <laughs> and i know that technically well actually or or was that an equipment i don't remember Whatever. So if, if I'm wrong, who cares? We just move on. Um, LK, before we move on, do you have any thoughts on these universes beyond sets? Yeah, yeah. Here's my thoughts. As I haven't played either of these games, my thoughts are I'm going to sit back, get some popcorn, and see what happens. If it turns out great, fantastic. I'm really <laughs> into that. If it turns out to be a dud, I'm here eating popcorn and enjoying myself watching it happen. You enjoy watching the world burn as the community tears itself apart. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> oh, man. You know, if, if there's anything that's a certainty in the magic community, unfortunately, it seems to be discourse. I know I'm going to say it a million more times. Never is not going to be true. Um, anyway, so yeah, let's move on to the next set here. I know that we're really excited about this next one. I'm definitely excited about this, and it finally gives LK a chance to really really get into the nitty-gritty here and that is going to be outlaws of thunder junction um it's gonna be a western based set unfortunately when i saw this for the first time when it got released the first thing i thought of and i did post this on twitter was of the really stupid prospector from uh big thunder mountain railroad at the disney properties where's the wildest ride in the wilderness and unfortunately that has kind of colored my look on this like oh 
god <laughs> but um yeah it, it looks like a really awesome set we see planeswalkers or former planeswalkers we think there's speculation looks like at least one new character rakdos for some reason and uh, just some some intrigue and some really cool wild west stuff that may or may not feel like it really belongs in magic but again if we have a follow and assassin's creed university beyond like who knows what that is anymore so lk Take it away. What do you think about this set? What do you think is going to be in it? What do you think is going to be some of the themes? And uh, what are you looking forward to? Well, I I will be honest and straight up front. I'm not a huge Westerns fan, but I'm really excited about seeing my favorite villains from Magic come out. I am one of those people who is a huge fan of villains and movies and TV shows and my games. Like, they're the best characters. They, honestly, they get to have the most fun uh, a lot of times. And I'm really excited to see my favorite villains have some really fun times in a Wild West setting in Magic Gathering. Like, this this looks amazing. So that that's the right up front. As far as, like, things that I want to see from the set, I think, I think that we're gonna get I want I want to, to see some like cool uh kind of villainy uh mechanics or something. I don't know if it's gonna be like just a limited type thing, but I wanna see a mechanic that specifically aligns with the villains. And I'm sure that, you know, we can't have a plane full of villains without any heroes. So I wanna see some mechanics for heroes that show up if they do show up. Uh, but I know this set is all about the villains, and I'm really, really excited for that. I don't know. I'll, I'll actually uh, debate that one with you, LK. I think this looks, to me, looks more like an anti-hero kind of set, where they're not villains, they're not heroes, they're just kind of in that gray spot. Um, most of the characters we have seen on here at least we think are in the portrait have kind of waffled back and forth in kind of that gray spot between morality, between good and bad. And uh, we also have gotten a keystone art of a brand new character who, if, you know, if we go back to traditional Western movie lore is wearing a white hat. And I have a really hard time believing that if we're going to go with that kind of characterization here, that if they're all villains, there's, they should be wearing, you know, black hats, right? I have a really hard time believing that someone wearing white is going to be a lawbreaker. So that's just my look on things. But uh, yeah, how about we open the floor to Tyler and Gabe? What do you think is going to be in the set? Um, Looking at it, it looks like we got Vraska is going to be there for sure. Oko is uh, kind of like the big bad, it seems like. So maybe they're setting up Oko is going to be like the big villain for like the Omen Path arc. Fastest hand in the West. Turn oh Rakdos is there, which is cool. Um it's definitely interesting. Um I I think it'll be fun. I don't know. I like all the cactus. I've got a theory about the story. About... Okay. Shoot. This is Shoot, compadre. I, I, really... <laughs> I really like this set for I feel like nobody's taking a step back to look at what this is, like in place of the entire magic story. This is literally the Wild West, and it is one of the cooler magic concepts they've done recently. Taking away so many sparks from Planeswalkers, and they haven't confirmed it yet, but if this 
is led from obviously an omen path because some of these people didn't have sparks in the first place this yeah. omen path plane was unoccupied initially but now people have access to it with omen paths they have literally created the wild west of the magic universe and it is just so cool to me that we're having all these characters from all over and different walks of life just meeting in you know like what old western america and stuff practically where they're fighting the heat and being the worst half the time it's just gonna be such a cool clash of characters in this and i'm so excited i know it's, it's gonna be crazy um yeah tyler what are your thoughts yeah um um i think it'll be cool um i Curse i don't know I, I i don't think it's like super compelling for me personally they've been like rosewater has been talking about oh like a uh and like his like tumblr Mm -hmm. he's been talking about doing a wild, like a wild west plane for a long time so i'm sure they got some really good ideas um i'm sure it'll be fun but yeah. just, I'm, I'm not like super excited about it i'll be the fanboy here i'll take it hey i it'll, uh, i will share that with you good Ooh. yeah i mean well, <laughs> yeah go ahead i was gonna say i'm i'm so excited to see some of these villains again and see them you know, maybe maybe they they will be you know kind of the anti heroes. Uh, I want to want to see see how their characters develop here on this planet. I think it'll be very interesting to see them in this environment with these other characters that they may or may not have interacted with before. And yeah, I'm definitely pumped for this set. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna jump in again on this one, and it's like it it gives off some very good magnif magnificent seven vibes here because you technically have seven here, and that really does lend more credence to my theory anyway that this is going to be more of an anti-hero kind of outlaw sort of set where they're going to be sitting somewhere between the good and evil of the duality of that, and it's just I'm I'm for I for one am really excited about the set because again we get some returning characters which will be kind of nice. Um, after, you know, a little while away, kind of see where these characters have ended up. We at least will have at least one new character to meet. Uh, a lot of people are saying Tiny Bones may be in the set. I don't know. I, I'm I'm really hoping that that's actually Doretti. I know I'm probably wrong, but it'd be really cool to to see another character we haven't seen in a long time. Um, so or, wheelchair, you know, Drake, he can't walk. Well, yeah, but it's like if, if we learn, if we can have Fallout in our universe, you can create prosthetics. I mean, <laughs> seriously. I mean, I I know when you really go in close, it does look like a skeleton. I'm just saying it's like I kind of wish it was Doretti because that would feel really awesome because we know he's still sitting around doing something. And it would make a lot of sense uh, as well, just kind of fitting in that gray, more, that morally gray area right there. And And like I said, prosthetics are a thing. So, you know, seriously, there's magic in this environment. A horse drawn carriage, a horse is going to pull him around. Seriously, it's like you have magic in magic, right? It's like you can create prosthetics too. So, um, yeah, it, it, it'll just be really interesting. And I'm, I guess I'm most curious about what the heck Rakdos is doing there. Kind of just seems yeah. like a bizarre, <laughs> bizarre throw in. I mean, the rest of the characters I get, but Rakdos just kind of seems like randomly thrown chaos. in there. Sure, sure, but 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 it's like, but but again, Rakdos has shown uh, begrudging willingness to to be cooperative in the past, as we saw in the yeah. War of the Spark arc. So again, 
a lot of these things really lend my credence to this being kind of an anti-hero set versus uh, versus like a villain based set. And it'll just be really cool to to see how this all how this all plays out. I'm super excited for this set. I haven't been honestly this excited for a standard set in quite a while. I wasn't really overly bullish on the 2022 standard sets, but this one looks really awesome and I can't wait for for Q2. Um, yeah, so we are going to move on to Q2, I guess, again, uh, for, for for the second half of the Q2 releases, and that's going to be, you guessed it, Modern Horizons 3. You know it, you love it, maybe you're sick of it, but it's going to happen. So Tyler, take it away. What do you think is going to be in this set? How do you think it's going to differentiate itself from, from other Modern Horizons sets? And are you excited for it? I'm definitely excited for it. Um, Modern Horizons 2 from... Um, I'm Melee com- uh, Commander player, and all it did was make add a bunch of cool stuff to the format. It didn't really power up the format that much. It just added a bunch of cool stuff. Um, so if they do that again, that'll be great. I know it, like it's super contentious for Modern specifically because it completely like, did a like a rotation like it just completely rotated the format so maybe they'll do that again they didn't completely do that with mh1 so maybe it'll go back to mh1 where it's like there's some there's new decks that show up or something like that um but they talked about that there'll be double face cards so that'll be interesting so maybe there'll be some double face card reprints um but or like just Modern Horizons style complexity with double face cards might get insane because there's some like really intricate MH2 and MH1 cards. And so adding two sides to that could be pretty nuts. Um, And then there's a cool art of all the Eldrazi. It's like a really big, long art, um, which we don't really see that much on magic cards, except for like the battles. So I'm curious mm-hmm. what that is, unless it's just like key art for like on the box or something like that. It, it, might, that it might definitely be. could be. I mean, I believe this would technically be Zendikar with the Eldrazi and the Hedrons and yeah. the, uh, yeah. and just some like some random like 17th century sailing ship <laughs> just sitting out there randomly. So um, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see that. Uh, and the, um, yeah. There's that art of, like, a demon on, like, a throne of, like, angel wings. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. that. That's so cool. That that better be a legendary. That thing is so cool. It'd be really funny if that was an uncommon. It's like, ha-ha, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> like, storm the seed core where you have, like, this massive, massive yeah. piece on, like, this And it's, like, card. this unplayable and common. Hey, storm the seed core is an okay card. I will I die on that said, hill. It's I like, love it. It is a fine card. It is a fine card. It's not a great card. It's not a really niche card. It's a fine card. You just got to have the right strategy. But yeah, I, I do agree. It's like, but again, the fact that we have this discussion about amazing cards that are, or sorry, amazing art that is on, you know, so-so cards. I guess the thing that we kind of forget about is like this, every card has amazing art, you know, more or less. And it's like sometimes we kind of forget that, you know, there's just amazing art that's already out there on cards we just flip through, right? So it could easily be an uncommon for all we know. We've seen a lot of uncommon commanders coming out recently, too. So who knows? Uh, Okay, what do you think about Modern Horizons 3? Well, once again, I'm kind of here sitting and watching for the popcorn, except for the little line here at the end. 
It will also be added to MTG Arena in its entirety. That is huge for you. makes me very freaking excited because usually I don't play with these cards much. I, it, especially if they're only in paper, it's really expensive. And uh, if the card's good, it's going to be really expensive. Uh, but on Arena, I'm looking forward to this set. This is going to be awesome for... Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be awesome for uh, Historic Brawl, which is my favorite format. Certainly on Arena, and possibly... No, I think Commander still beats it out, so... But there you go. I have a little bit of contention between Commander and Historic Brawl. And this Def- will be awesome yep. for Historic Brawl, for yep. sure. Definitely, definitely. And uh, Gabe, let's round out your thoughts on Modern Horizons 3. Uh, well, I like the art. I do like the art. That's a start. What do you think about the cards? <laughs> I don't want Green Ragavan, man. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to go back. There's no going back. Once once you have Ragavan, there's no going back. It seems like every Modern Horizon set we've had so far, out of the two, they just come out, put a gun up to your head, and go, "Okay, you're gonna like this. Look at this one card," and we're like, "Okay." <laughs> we don't really have a choice because of that card's everywhere. You know how much I hate Urza? I want that to be very clear. I despise the creation of Urza. They made a strictly better artifact commander just straight across the board. Anything you want to do in artifacts, Urza's the best at it to an extent. There's Arkham, there's Muzio, there's Emery. Each one of those do different things that Urza can't necessarily do. But he can find a way. And that's what I hate about him. Spoken like a true mono blue CDH player that you are. <laughs> I can't hear the salt at all. No salt. Nothing here. If if, oh. it, it, if this was the Howling Salt Mine podcast with uh, good friends Tony and Sam great. and Mike. Um, <laughs> yeah, there is no salt here, right? No, none, none at all. It, <laughs> Then, for my Eternal Buddies, let's let's focus on y'all for a second. We like Ragavan, right? We like that Ragavan was made. The the one the turn one play that actually has led to concedes in professional play, which is ridiculous, mind you. If there is a card printed that you play on turn one, that leads to the other person going, I think it might be better to concede this match. Don't print that card! That's a bad card. Um, Thoughtseize does that to an extent, but Thoughtseize is a whole different thing. That's yeah, interaction. One, you lose two life. Yeah, you lose two life. There's repercussions for it, and you're getting more information than you're taking from your opponent. Ragavan, I feel like people forget, you still take from your opponent repeatedly. <laughs> Yeah, it's, well, well, it's like you, are good. you're the also good. you're also supposed to play blockers too. So it's like you you can deal. Ragavan is also really bad min late game too. And yeah. he dies to Bowmaster. What's the problem? Yes. Oh, yeah. hmm. <laughs> well, of course, I forgot about Modern Horizons two point five. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, with, with with the Orcish Bowmasters one ring, especially yeah. about the one ring. I sold that on a whim because I thought it was going to get banned on Monday, but oh, lo and behold, the great MTG. 
no, there was no way it was going to get banned. The set is still in print. They're going to reprint the set in again in November. There's it no way it needs to be. It, any... ban it in like two years. Oh, the homogeny is ridiculous. And this is exactly the reason why I don't play 60 card constructive formats, folks. <laughs> it's, it's weaves in its way into CEDH. I play three ways to deny card draw and even i considered running it for a second oh i know i know i'm just saying is that at least in cdh it kind of gets balanced out because you only have one copy and you're not necessarily looking you're, you're not yeah, the protection doesn't matter yeah, you're not really digging for it i would say but in in formats where you can have four ofs it's a real problem i've from what oh, i hear insane. yeah you know, it being legendary is like a good thing exactly because you, you get to reset it it's insane it should be like the counter should have been on the player that would have like fixed it completely. Yeah, I I feel like with the one ring, and I did bring this up on a game stream the other night. Again, big shout out to uh, Davy Jones and the Heck and Murder stream. But um, I I did make a comment about you know if the one ring is indestructible, it's destroyed at the end of the story. This seems thematically inconsistent. So, um, yeah, the fact you that it's indestructible. Sacrifice it yourself. You have to make the decision. <laughs> I know, but it's like it, it would it wouldn't really cool if there was like a sacrifice clause, you know, on there. It's like at least that yeah. seems thematic. But yeah, otherwise it's a busted card. Uh, but yeah, um, before we move on to the next set, uh, Gabe, how about you tell uh, the great and talented Veggie Wagon that you don't want Ragavan? I'm sure that'll go over. Well. I'm very clear about it. I- <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. literally told him when we were in Seattle, if I opened a single one, I would just give it to him because I care so little about that card. When I met you was 20 minutes before I sold the first Ragavan I ever pulled that weekend. I despise that card. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, actually, I, I just really want to see you and Brett get into a slap fight over Ragavan. Be really funny. Okay, just come to our room in Vegas and we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, that has multiple connotations, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just totally derailed that, but uh, you you kind of opened the door for that terrible, terrible joke. Um, it was anyway. on me. It was yep. the way I dressed. I'm yep. sorry. All right. Okay. Yeah, we are we are going way off the rails with this one. Um, but yeah, anyway um yeah moving on to the next two and i think these last two sets the q3 and q4 again we've already talked about assassin's creed so we're moving on past that but yeah these were the two sets that y'all were the most excited to talk about of any of that we've talked about so folks buckle up because it's gonna be a really really good conversation from here on out to the end of the episode so it's all downhill from here but the quality ain't going downhill so uh yeah we are going to be seeing in Q3, I'm, I guess Q3 technically, uh, Bloomborough. And according to the Star City Games article, it's going to be another new plane showing off a world of anthropomorphic animals with no humans. Again, big thing right there. The animals are the main characters and are in scope, so animals are actual size, wear clothes, and have weapons. And uh, the set starts the second year of the new story arc, and it's called the Dragonstorm arc, which, again, we don't have any information on that one. But again, this is probably the closest that we're ever going to get to Redwall, the set. And LK, this is yours. Why are you excited about this set so much? And uh, what do you hope to see from it? You... Yeah. Oh, sorry, had to do that once. Um, so, Bloombrew is, as you said, the closest we're going to probably get to Redwall. Uh, I will say the animals aren't in scope in Redwall, if I'm pretty sure. Uh, but, you know, 
who cares? I'm super excited for this. Uh, I, I want, I want to see like a, a, um, kind of like, you know, they do, they do the secret layers, right? And a lot of times they will kind of be supplement to the set. Like they had the Lord of the Rings one. I want a red wall skin, Limbro companion secret lair to go with this. Uh, I saw the list of animals we've got, and I don't believe they. Yeah, we we did receive some uh, some. I want my Martin Award. Definitely, definitely. I mean, having grown up on the Redwall books myself, um, it'd be really cool to be able to see some of those things show up in there even if they're not necessarily taken directly from from the books obviously since that's a whole licensing thing and you know if they were gonna do the licensing thing it would make a lot more sense i mean now that they have the door open with universes beyond it would make a lot more sense if they just did re literally red wall the set so um i th guess they're gonna kind of play around it kind of in their own space sort of how i guess strixhaven was supposed to be a a retelling of the wizard school type genre as well. So it'll be really interesting to see how much this shares with Redwall. But yeah, it's it that'd be really exciting. I would hope to someday see a secret layer or something of it actually in the IP there. Um, I know that Brian Jakes has is gone. May he rest in peace. Uh, amazing, amazing author. But uh, yeah, it would be really cool to see that. And yeah, I know a lot of people are really excited about this. So all right, Gabe, what's your take on this set? I I liked Zootopia. That's my opinion on it. It was I'm not, I'm not I'm not much of an anthro person. Like I mean, they're not printing a red panda in the set, are they? Uh, not that we know of. And uh, yeah. I could I could skip on it. I I'm not as excited as the other two, but I do like it. I like the idea. I think anthro characters are really good for storytelling kind of lets anybody slot themselves into any character it's really good for building a fan base and i think this is definitely a set that a lot of people will hop into magic on much like they did from oh what was it was it magic origins i think i already talked about it but there just feels like there's always a set each year in magic that we get a bunch of new players and i feel like bloomborough is probably going to be the one where a lot of people hop in and I'm actually I'm excited more for that aspect for it honestly yeah that actually does make a lot of sense you're right uh, like, like with the aforementioned Strixhaven um that was a huge thing for non uh, non-magic players because yeah. like it, it brings up an existing I would say trope kind of a cliche uh, but but again, it's I did hear enough anecdotes about people interested in that sort of genre jumping into magic for the first time because of that. Obviously, yeah, everyone loves Zootopia, so yeah, there we I mean, go. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, again, Universe is Beyond, I feel, has kind of taken some of the thunder away from these standard legal sets. So we'll definitely see how the fallout, uh, pun intended there, uh -huh. um, works out there. I mean, hey, you had the hopping pun multiple times in your section, so quiet down there. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see. And I do agree with you that this definitely seems like this or maybe the next set that we're going to talk about which we'll, we'll get to in a, in a few minutes here um will will definitely be kind of the inroads is it if we are going to see brand new material like we were mentioning murders of karloff manor and outlaws of thunder junction require i guess players 
to be versed in the lore, right? To already be somewhat attached to the characters, understand the backgrounds. It's like, this is for us, what, what we say in the community as quote unquote enfranchised players, right? But you're definitely yeah. right. The Bloomborough and the Nexa we will be mentioning here in a couple minutes. And again, I'm trying not to do any spoilers here. So uh, if you're interested in hearing that, uh, you can skip ahead when you're listening. But uh, we're going to continue talking about this for a couple more minutes. Um, yeah, I, I can definitely agree with you that this would be a pretty nice like on-ramp, I guess, for, for folks who... It's a contained yeah. story. But, it, but, like but again, they did also mention that's the beginning of an arc storyline. So it's like you can't just like jump into this one. It will be part of a greater something, which is something that Strixhaven. But it's the start of it, though. Sure, so it's safe sure. to jump in. Sure, sure. But it's like compared to, let's say, Strixhaven, which I know I keep using, it's like that was a literally standalone set until it somehow got weaved kind of sort of into the whole. Uh, March and Machine story, but for a while there, it was its own set. It had its own villain, its own story, and a conclusion to it that you know just kind of wrapped everything up more or less. And then they yeah. just they revisited it for uh, for the March and Machine arc um, versus where this is clearly they're saying this is going to be the start of something. Here you go. But yeah, it, I, I do agree that it could be a nice on ramp for folks who are. Like we said with uh, like LK and I said, like it feels like Redwall, and especially if they were to release a uh, some sort of secret layer, which again they are not revealing. They rarely seem to reveal these, so it's entirely possible that come twelve months from now we could see a Redwall secret layer being released simultaneously with this product. They don't seem to want to release that kind of information yet, probably because they don't have the information to share just yet, and they kind of like the the shock value of it. But, um, yeah, that would definitely be my money is they could do that. Uh, they, obviously, they need to have the IP and everything. But uh, if they really wanted to, uh, Wizards, and especially Hasbro, could, could make that happen. So we will see on that one. But I know I've been talking way too much. Tyler, what are your thoughts on this? I know you were also really excited about this particular release. I think it's going to be so good. Like, I love sets like this where it's just, like, full-on, like, flavor and just, like, fully into the theme. Like, um, I'm kind of new to Magic. Like, my, my first set was Eldraine, and I just thought Eldraine was so cool that, like, it's it's super corny, but I, I just I love that they went all in on the fairy tale stuff, and, like, it's just unapologetic. It was just, like, this is the fairy tale set. Or Strixhaven, where it's, like, this is the school set and it's like school jokes school tropes um like in uh uh kamigawa where it's like this is cyberpunk ninjas and it's gonna be the dopest thing you've ever seen and i that's how i feel about this set i think it's gonna be so cool like the art is like that art of that little mouse with that big wolf is so cool it's just so evocative ryan panko's art i think it's gonna like there's gonna be so many cool commanders in that set. It's gonna be so cute. Like the like the necromancer squirrel. Are you mm. kidding me? That thing looks so cool. It's yeah. gonna be. <laughs> I think it's gonna be like my favorite. Well, like this might be my favorite set of all time. We'll see if like the cards are cool. But just like flavor wise, I think it's so sick. It'll be so cute, and it'll it's gonna be great. It's yeah, be definitely. Great. I mean, yeah. I I feel like it kind of takes uh, some some inspiration from multiple other sets we've seen, like kind of the Lorwyn mm -hmm. feel where we didn't yeah. really have humans, right? It's not the first time that we've had that particular thing. And when I'm looking at the art right now here, I can't help but think that that wolf actually kind of reminds me of some of the 
some of the creatures we saw in our most recent return to Theros, too. I don't know why, but it just kind of the the concept of it definitely reminds me of that. So maybe we'll see a little bit of bleed over um, yeah, with it looks like a hellhound. Kind yeah, of and w- which we definitely see on Theros, right? Um, yeah. So I'm I, I'm not saying that the Omen Pass are bringing this particular wolf from Theros to uh, to this new plane, but um, you know it, it just. If, if nothing else, it seems like there's a lot of overlap with existing sets, but they've def- they're definitely kind of cranking this one to 11. If Lorwyn was like taking this, you know, no humans concept and really running with it, Bloombarrow is definitely, uh, you know, running at that point where Lorwyn was kind of, you know, doing its own thing. But this definitely will crank it um, in, in a different direction. Seems to definitely be a very interesting concept. We shall see what that uh, what that all entails. But again, you know, we're a year out, so there will be a lot more information coming out about this and probably some some new art as well coming out to keep people excited. And now we're going to get to the last article, or last article, geez, the last set of the year, which also says Q3, but it's probably going to be more Q4, honestly. And that is going to be Gabe's favorite set from here, and that is going to be Duskmorn, House of Horror. Uh, according to the Star City Games article, it's a top-down modern horror set, thanks 70s, 80s horror movies, where the w- whole world takes place inside a giant mansion. The set will use horror differently than Istrad or Phyrexian sets, which actually, uh, but before we get over to Gabe, was one of the things that I was kind of worried about. It's like, you know, we already have had horror in literally every set under the sun. If It's like, if you've had an <laughs> Innistrad set or the Phyrexian set, it's like, for me personally, it's like enough with the bodily horror. It's freaking me out enough. It's like we, we've done it. Please do something different. But again, I'm not really into the horror genre. So, you know, that's that's just my opinion. That's just like my opinion, man. Um, Here's the thing. 70s wasn't body horror, though. Fair, fair enough. I'm just saying it's like what we've seen in magic recently. Like when they even call out the two that are all about body horror, um, you know, it's like this, it, that was the first thing I thought of when I saw this key art, right? It was like, oh, it's, we just literally got done with this. Why are you going back? Um, <laughs> but, um, and, and, and the other thing I think about immediately before we get over to you, Gabe, is I can't stop thinking about Luigi's mansion and there needs to be a, some sort of o- overlap there. It's like, if it's going to be in a mansion, you have to, you, you, you just have to do the Luigi's mansion thing, right? Otherwise something's missing. And yeah, we already saw somebody with um, what are they called? The little beep beep beeps from Ghostbusters, that little thing. Oh, the uh, the uh, uh oh, words describe yeah. uh, proton packs. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Uh, not the proton pack, the, the thing that detects ghosts. Somebody oh, 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 yeah, 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 those, those. yeah. <laughs> that, that's crazy. All right, Gabe, what do you think about the set? Why are you so excited for it? I am excited because as we were kind of sitting here and meandering around before we started, I decided to look up some 70s horror movies to kind of go through. And I'm actually very optimistic about this set because, like I said, it wasn't as focused on body horror at the time, but more on slasher. And I feel like we haven't really explored that avenue in magic yet, like the masked killer, like the crazy family, that aspect. Like, Innistrad is very focused on monster horror. We've done that to death on. There's been eldritch horror, there's been vampire, but we haven't really explored the horror of humanity yet, and that's what a lot of 70s horror was. It was kind of a reflection back to the population of what the darker side of humanity looks like. Like Carrie, the exorcist. Uh, Alien is a straggler there, but Alien was really good. (laughs) So I'm really looking forward to this personally. 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that was there too. It feels like it's going to be a very well-orchestrated set if they do it right. I do have one gripe, though. I don't know why there are windows if the entire thing is one mansion. It just doesn't click in my brain. It feels like there shouldn't be windows on the house, but that's just me. But I'm I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, the so, aesthetic. Yeah, so, so question is, this is going to be a plane, right? It's like the mansion is the plane. What do yeah, you think? It's an the, entire structured yeah, plane. Yeah. What do you think the story implications might be? I mean, it's one thing to have a concept, but also since magic has an underlying story, it's like what what do you think we're gonna be seeing here? Well, because haunted mansion stuff is, you know, well, horror staple, I feel like omen paths actually fit really well into that kind of genre that we're gonna go for. Like, in Poltergeist, you had the closet that was haunted, and everything was bursting out of it and pulling in that one scene. It feels like a lot of these rooms could almost be an omen path hub for people that are on this plane. I don't think it's a centralized plane. I know it's going to turn out to be, like, people have been living here for millennia and stuff, but it feels like a Miroden-esque plane. Like, it was manufactured. Like, it was brought about by maybe, like, Davriel Kane by, like, his collapsed plane spark whatever he has the weird one it feels like it was constructed by someone yeah it could be an ashiok thing too there's so much you can do with this it feels like they're gonna take it in a direction that i'm gonna be happy no matter what they do but i definitely want to see them go more towards the slasher aspect of it and the psychotic ends Jaws was in the 70s. I don't know if they have a pool in there somewhere, but we can make a pool happen, you know. I'm I'm hyped. I'm ready for it. I love horror stuff. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, we have seen some aspects of uh, of assassins and whatnot throughout uh, various different planes, but you're right. We haven't we haven't really seen, you know, kind of like the the crime spree type thing that you're discussing or yeah. So Yeah, like, "Oh, spend the night." And then you get bopped on the head. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I still like wonder a hub for omen paths. You know, huh. I, I still I still wonder why people in horror movies are so stupid, but whatever. Um, <laughs> all right, I Tyler. I look at myself, and I know I'm that stupid, so I don't even question. Fair, fair enough. All right, Tyler. What are your thoughts on this brand new set? I think it would be cool. Uh, I'm also a big horror movie guy. Um, so in like 70s and 80s, or like like kind of like the. Uh, super like important time for horror movies so it could be super super cool one of the pictures had like this crazy looking like hive kind of art and it was, it was kind of giving me like hr giger vibes like Ooh. who like uh, who did a lot of the design for the alien stuff so if they get into like hr giger kind of stuff on magic cards that'd be so cool um and yeah i think it i like the idea that it's like one giant house is kind of like a back rooms kind of thing which yeah is really popular in the last couple of years um and so like each room being like a different scary thing and like the, like i don't know traveling to the rooms could be like different spooky things i don't know it it definitely has me intrigued it, like i thought it was be like oh it's another horror set but they said it's all one mansion that puts a spin on it that I, i'm i'm all in i think it w- could be pretty cool Okay, another another question, quick question here is how do you think they're going to differentiate this particular set from the murder set that we talked about for Q1? What do you think are going to be that some of the difference there? Well, there's a kind of difference to that horror, you know? 
in murder mystery horror, it's more focused on, on the, the crime that's been committed, where you focus on the clues, the tools, the general circumstance of why the murder happened. In horror, it's more the encompassing kind of dread of the situation, and it focuses more on the cast of their attempt at survival. And the killer's almost a second thought sometimes, because you're more concerned with what's going to happen to the people the entire time. In a murder mystery, you're not concerned if anybody else is going to die, because the crime's always, like, already been committed. Except for in a horror movie, the, the crime doesn't stop there. You don't know when it's going to stop yet. Well, I mean, technically, there's an end to the movie, so, um, you know, it has to end at some point, but... Yeah, everyone yeah. can die by the end of the movie. Fair the enough. All right, LK, I'm going to throw this over to you. I know you weren't as interested in this one, um, but what are your thoughts? Oh, no, I'm pretty interested in okay. this. I'm just... I'm just sitting here trying to figure out how how to see this differently, because the key art that I'm looking at looks an awful... reminds me an awful lot of Phyrexia. Uh, and... I'm just wondering how this is going to differentiate itself from Innistrad and Phyrexia. I'm really happy to hear you guys' thoughts, because that's helping me. Um, I'm just... I'm just sitting here like, great, another, another horror set. Like, I, I want to be wowed, and I'm looking forward to being wowed. I'm just currently not seeing it in my head and i'm having some trouble with that that's um, fair i do but, have one extra horror thing right. that uh may help here okay um it's more that innistrad covered this but didn't really go too far into it because they i feel like there's a certain ask genres in horror that people don't fully tap into unless they know the fan base is fully on board Going off of what we've said about the hive aspect of looking at it, bugs. People are very hesitant to deal with bugs and stuff. Because bugs are less horror, because they are they do scare you. But it also taps into that ick factor for people, where sometimes you don't even want to go near it. Or even, like, get involved with it. I feel like the, the body horror of Phyrexia... And the suspense horror of Innistrad has kind of led us to the point where maybe the fan base might be more okay with a heavy insect set, which I don't want a heavy insect set. I get freaked out by bugs a lot, but that is a kind of horror genre they haven't really gone too far into yet outside of like, oh, look, a spider kind of thing. It could be where Grist is from. Yeah. Yes, that's definitely an interesting thought. I mean, we have Grist. We just don't know much about them. Pile of bug. And yeah. I love it, Grist. Yeah, Grist that, is one of the cooler designs. That, that would be an interesting uh, interesting tie-in here, especially since we've been looking at all the Planeswalkers or former Planeswalkers, and that would definitely fit in here. And again, we know that there's going to be one Planeswalker per set. So maybe that fits. It's going to be Ezio. He's going to come in, assassinate <laughs> everybody. Oh, no. Desmond. Desmond is the planeswalker because he's the one that goes in all, goes in all the <laughs> assassins. Yeah. A lot, a lot of stuff uh, from this new set. I don't know what exactly to expect. I feel like we have enough horror sets as it is. It just, for me, it's like, oh, just another, another day at the office, right? So um, <laughs> it's like... 
could we, you know, come up with something different? Fortunately, the rest of the year, there's plenty of new material. So it's like this one doesn't seem to me to be a disappointment as much because I, I guess I'm just not overly excited for that one. But that's OK, because we're all different. We all enjoy different things. And uh, yeah, and it also makes sense that this be coming out around Halloween, probably. So, you know, yeah. I, I guess that I just kind of have to to take that one at, at face value, right? Is that's just what it's going to be. I will agree. It does feel weird that murders at Karloff Manor and Duskmorn are in the same year. But like I said, it hopefully differentiates between those genres enough to not feel too repetitive. But eh. well, well, to be fair, I felt the whole Phyrexian arc was very repetitive. So well, that was Phyrexia. Phyrexia can do one thing and it does it OK. Yep. But but especially since we had just seen uh, a return to Anastrod too, like <laughs> just months before that. So it just felt like, OK, it's horror followed by a horror arc, followed by yet another horror set. Um, coming up the next year, it's like, are, are we played out on this on this trope yet? So we like horror. <laughs> that's just where I'm sitting. But again, that's just me. Uh, yeah. Any other thoughts before on any of the releases we're going to have in 2024 before we wrap up today's episode? Um, Gabe, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I don't have too many things outside of my loathing for Ravnica Remastered and excitement for Duskmorn. Okay, okay. What about you, Tyler? Do you have any other things that we haven't really discussed here but uh, about 2024 product that you really want to share? Um, Just that I think is going to be a great year. I think all the standard sets announced are, are like at least interesting, if not like some of the best ideas they've ever had. So mm. I think it'll be great. I I think it's going to be a good year for Magic. I think I think it'll be great. I don't think Universes Beyond is going to destroy magic yet. <laughs> Maybe one day, but I think next year is going to be dope. I think we're good for another year. Yep, Universes Beyond. You either love it or you hate it. And what about you, LK? Any other th overarching thoughts about the 2024 sets? Overall, I'm very excited for the next year. It looks like, obviously, my favorite two will be right there, smack dab in the middle. Uh, but I, I'm not, I'm not overly upset about either the other sets. And like I said, the, uh, the non-standard sets are not hugely a concern to me. And I'm mostly just going to be sitting here watching and I'm excited to see, uh, what we get on Arena with Modern Horizons 3. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this year. Definitely, definitely. And I, I think it's safe to say that I'm most excited for our first two sets here for uh, Murders at Karlov Manor and Outlaws at Thunder Junction. I'm just going to be kind of rolling in like crazy new concepts and just over here geeking out about stuff, even though I have no idea what it's going to be. But they look super exciting and I actually really want to want to play these sets. So and again, it's been a bit since I since I could say that. So. Um, yeah, that, that'll be really exciting. And then we'll, we'll see what happens in Q3. But yeah, um, that brings the, our today's episode to a close. Thank you so much to the panelists here for sharing their thoughts on these brand new sets. Um, it was an awesome discussion, got to learn a few things and, you know, float some theories, give some of my own theories and just kind of see where everyone is at. So I'm going to, for the outro, go in reverse order of the way I introduced you. So uh, Tyler, yeah, um, great to have you on the show. 
give the folks out there uh, another rundown of all the content that you create. Yeah, uh, I run a podcast called Commander Paradise. Wherever you watch content, it's probably there. Um, notably, we're on TikTok as well. We post daily content there. Uh, we're almost at 500 followers, so give us a follow so we can reach that goal. Um, and yeah, uh, we talk about like casual Commander, all kinds of stuff. We got an episode coming out soon about the color blue in Commander. Yeah, totally overpowered in my opinion, but you know, hey. that's just my opinion. <laughs> all right okay it's good having you on here finally and uh, again where could people find your content on the internet if you go look for lord kaiju underscore two you can find me on twitter youtube uh which i guess not called twitter anymore is it but anyways uh yes. we will only ever call it twitter <laughs> twitter in my heart <laughs> exactly i'm on the same boat uh, anyways, you can find me at Lord Kaiju underscore two once again. And uh, yeah, hang out with me. I will talk to you and have some fun. Yeah, and I will see you in Vegas. I will see you in Vegas. Ooh. All right. And uh, Gabe, you are last but certainly not least. Uh, where can the folks find the guy you know on the Internet? Well, they should already know that then, shouldn't they, MJ? Uh, uh, come on this is the internet bye. no one remembers anything trust me uh hello i'm gabe once and finally i'm gabe that guy you know on most platforms youtube is more just my re-upload for my podcast nowadays but uh, you might find something there i'm on twitter as gabe tgyk and finally on spotify it's scaredy this scaredy that where I might actually talk about Magic's horror sets in a future episode. Who knows? Ooh. Ooh, fancy. Definitely. Well, it was good having all of you on the show. I'm definitely glad that I brought folks on here because, honestly, no one wants to just listen to me talk for two hours about these upcoming sets. So I'm glad I was able to bring some expert opinions on uh, to, to float some theories and get everyone out there in the audience super excited for the 2024 product lineup. It's going to be a good year. Let's hope that all these sets deliver and we're going to have a great time. And again, just like with everyone else, you can find the entire back catalog of the MTG and Quarantine podcast on the usual podcast outlets. That is your Google, Apple, Spotify, Player FM, Rockcast, Podcast, Overcast, Breaker, and a million others. I honestly don't remember all of them. But if it's a major podcast outlet, you can probably find my content on there. And also remember, if you are listening to this on one of the podcast outlets with a rating system, please leave a review of what you think of this episode or just the podcast in general. It helps me fight the dreaded algorithm and get my awesome silky radio announcer voice out to the larger mtg community so i can keep bringing more awesome people onto the show just like the three panelists from today so again if you are on a podcast outlet definitely go and leave a review hopefully a positive review but i'm not forcing you to put a five-star review if you don't feel like it just please leave a positive review if you like what you've heard here today and again, I'd like to give another huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash MTG in quarantine. Huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Benz, Nick S, Frugal Brutal, and Coach Jero for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash MTG in quarantine for more information. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTG in quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.